0: So we are continuing with our, uh, our walk through the covenants that uh, God has given God's people through the years. If you remember last week, we talked about Noah's covenant that came after the flood and kind of the promise for all living creatures, for all flesh, for all living creatures. That promise was for everyone. And how that is the way our God Works in in this world. The the covenants are for everyone. Thank you, Stephen. And today we're going to look at the story of Abraham and Sarah, or Abram and Sarai, before that happened. And so our scripture this morning um, comes from Genesis uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 9. Hear these words, if you would this morning. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land I will show you. I will make of you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and the one who curses you I will curse and in all the families of the earth, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Abram took his wife Sarai and his brother's son Lot and all the possessions they had gathered and the persons whom they had acquired in Haran. And they set forth to go to the land of Canaan. When they had come to the land of Canaan, Abraham passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak of Morai. And at that time, the Canaanites were in the land. And the Lord appeared to Abraham and said, To your offspring, I will give you this land. So he built there an altar to the Lord, who had appeared to him. From there, he moved on to the hill country on the east of Bethel and pitched his tent. With Bethel on the west and I on the east, and there he built an altar to the Lord and invoked the name of the Lord. Abram journeyed on, on by stages toward Negeb. So that's really just talking about that promise. There's a whole lot more, as as some of you know, to the story of Abraham and Sarah, and we'll we'll talk a little bit about that today. But um, did you guys know that according to the US Census Bureau, the average person in the United States um, moves residences more than 11 times in his or her or their lifetime? 11 times. So I got to thinking about that. You know what it what it means to move. So, um, so this is what I came up with with my list. I moved eleven or no, I moved nine times before I graduated from high school, and then twelve more since then, which then makes a total of twenty one times. Now I didn't even put in there the places that I lived doing. Doing interim ministry because those were kind of temporary, and I kept my permanent home in Hillsboro. But you kind of get the picture, you know. I've moved a lot in my lifetime, but not as much as some. I'm thinking about maybe the people who are in mili- the military who move regularly or, or you know, move for their jobs or whatever. But, but here's the deal: we know a little bit about moving. But let me ask you this, when we're thinking about this whole moving piece. Have you ever moved away from all that is familiar? Have you ever just moved away from family and friends? And if that's the case, if you remember doing that, do you remember what it felt like? What did it feel like to move away from everything familiar? Did you feel a little out of place, maybe? There are are some things that, that we have in common in that experience. Well, in 1991, David and I moved to Indiana. We loaded everything we owned and went to this place called the Midwest that was very different than any place we'd ever been before. You see, we moved because David received a full-ride scholarship with a stipend to go to seminary. And that is not something you turn down. But you but you see, we had three little boys. We had boys that were one, three, and five. And our middle son, Josh, had some health concerns that made moving away from our beloved pediatrician really hard. You see, Josh... Um, was allergic to almost every antibiotic they created for children, and he would react in really serious ways to these antibiotics. And and so, but but the scholarship and but the the, the call that David had to ministry were all there. What do, what do we do? And so our pediatrician, I love him. He's retired. We didn't quite get our kids raised before that happened, but. But he gave me antibiotics for Josh that were in powder form that I could mix up for him until we could find a doctor that could research all of that. But, you know, so we had some of those things that we could could do to make the move a little easier. But, you know, we were a young family and David had been a youth pastor and we didn't have a lot of money. And going from here to there was a huge distance. Now, you have to understand, I'd never been out of the Pacific Northwest ever in my life. And neither had David. You know, he, he grew up in Idaho. We'd lived in Oregon. I grew up in Montana. We'd lived in Oregon. We hadn't ever lived other than, than here. We sold anything that wouldn't fit in a big you know, enclosed trailer. We had, a I think it was a 68 power wagon pickup. Um, and we loaded what we could, and what we didn't sell, we gave away, but that's what how much room we had, and remember, three little boys and all of their stuff, and then we had this old van that had three on the tree. Okay, so it, I think about it now, and I think how absolutely naive we were to jump in those vehicles and Head off. Well, there was this whole series of delays. I won't go into all that. But we ended up leaving the truck and the trailer with my parents in Montana and driving to um, Indianapolis. And by the way, we didn't know where we were going to live. We had a really limited budget that was already stressed, stretched as tight as it could be from all those delays that I talked about. And so when we were in route with these three little boys in this old van driving through the night because the kids slept then, um, we found out that we did have a place to live, that they had commuter housing at Christian Theological Seminary um, that we could use for a couple months. So, whew, one thing. And then um, that whole money piece, we just didn't have what we needed to live for two months until David found a church to serve. And so I pinched those pennies. Have you ever done that? You know, um, you know, filled the bellies, but nothing more than that? Well, they released some of David's first stipend that summer. And they gave him a job mowing lawns on campus. Well, he interviewed at churches, and we eventually ended up in this little burg called Homer, Indiana, with, which had a population of 150. He served that, it had a parsonage though, and we had a place to live, and then he served another little church that was about three miles away in Manila, Indiana, that had about 350 people. Not in the church, in the community. The church had much less than that. But, but, and we lived there for five years and then we came back to the Northwest. But here's the thing about moving to a place where you don't know anyone. You don't know any of the, of the ways people talk about things. It took me months to figure out when someone was telling me they were running the sweeper, that they were vacuuming. Running the sweeper, they were vacuuming. Or that if they were going to carry someone somewhere, that they were actually going to give them a ride. So we got in this place where, you know, we we didn't know anyone. We didn't have anyone to watch the kids. And, you know, we had to start over in this place. And so in that way, I can kind of figure out Abraham and Sarah going to this new land and not knowing anybody and not having anything. They did take their household with them. It says that in the scripture. But it's it was a time when... You know, they went from the known to the unknown. Now often, when we experience that, we feel a lot of stress when we go from the known. And it doesn't have to be moving. Maybe it's a brand new job that you haven't done before. Maybe it's a new ministry that you haven't volunteered with before. Maybe it's taking on a job um, a volunteer job that you've never done before. Maybe it's, maybe it's you've done things for a long time and you're not able to do them anymore and so you're doing something different. So we have kind of that in the back of our mind, we kind of have that feel or that idea that things um, might connect with this um, Abraham and Sarah story. When we kind of look at a bird's eye view of the book of Genesis, we hear stories about kind of the cosmic creation um, and the universal humankind. You know, the last time we talked about Noah and and that story was about humankind, a little bit about Noah, but also about what was happening to, to humankind. In this, so that's the first 11 chapters of Genesis. We get to chapter 12, and we're focusing on one person, one family, and that is a couple named Abram and Sarai. Um, and through them, there was a covenant made then that affected all humanity, all people in that story. We've heard a little bit about Abram and Sarah before this. There was kind of this genealogy listed in um, Genesis 11. And this was the genealogy of Shem, who was one of um, Noah's sons. And Abram is descendant in that line. So that's kind of how. But we're not told a whole lot about them, except that they lived in this place um, called Haran, which might have been like um, kind of Assyria. He had been in Ur, which is Babylonia, then Haran. um, And then um, the other thing we're told is that Sarai is barren. Now, here's the deal in that culture. That was really tough. In a culture where your value had to be with your had was connected with your ability to have children, the fact that she was the age that she was without kids was really hard. That was that culture. We also know that that our culture is a little bit different. But in that time in that place, they received a call, and were told that they were going to have descendants as 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 many as the stars in the sky. And yet, up until this time, it says that, that um, Abram was about 75 years old when he received this call. So Sarah was about in there. She's 75 years old. She's been barren all these years. She's been ridiculed for not having children all these years. And yet, they're given this promise. Isn't that interesting? That even though they thought they were past where this blessing could come to them, they went. To me, you know, I wonder what might have gone through their thinking. Maybe they thought things could change, but but you and I know in the story that when that her barrenness went on and on and on and they they were quite old when she had isaac and we also know that as they were waiting for this blessing to happen so that they could be have descendants as big as as many as the stars as they were waiting waiting was hard and we also know that as they were waiting they came up with some strategies to kind of circumvent the process. I'm talking, of course, of the children that Abram had with the handmaidens. That that was all part of their strategy to to kind of push things along in the the long waiting time. Now, before we get uh, a little hard on Abram and Sarah, Sarah, for that thing, think about those times when you have to wait a really long time for something to happen. Aren't you tempted to try to find a way to move things along? Not mentioning our apartments over here that we have waited so long for. We have tried to figure out how to move things along. That's just the nature of humans and waiting. We try to do that. And so so Abraham and Sarah did try to come up with some strategies to move things along. And I'm not saying that what they did was right or wrong or any of that. I'm not commenting on that part at all. I'm just saying that that's kind of normal for humans. So let's look just for a moment at what that promise was, what that covenant was. So the first part of it is kind of threefold. First, they were told that they will, I will make of you a great nation. That's in Genesis 12 too. I will make of you a great nation. The second part of that had to do with land. To your offspring, I will give you this land. And then the third part of that was a blessing. I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So the three things are, I will make of you a great nation. That's the descendant piece. I will give you this land that I will bring you to. And you will be a blessing. You will be a blessing how how can we be a blessing as we wait it's a question isn't it i think that our time in the last few years has been all about waiting waiting for the apartments to be built, waiting for life to get back to some semblance of normal, waiting for our economy to recover, waiting you could add things to that, couldn't you? But as as I'm looking at this this kind of dynamic of Abram, who who becomes Abraham, and Sarai, who becomes Sarah, I keep coming back to the waiting piece and the blessed to be a blessing piece. Does waiting and being a blessing, do they go together? So often when we wait, we don't do anything. Or we feel like not doing anything because we're waiting. Here's what I see happening here at Portsmouth Union Church in this time of waiting. I see people who are serving in many, many ways, be it doing our our outdoor pantry or working to make the apartments happen to get together and talk about how we can be better neighbors talking about our church leadership coming into the new year looking for a new pastor I don't see us sitting and coming up with strategies to make things happen I see us actually doing what Abraham and Sarah did and that was to go I see us going moving being loving sharing And at the same time, we're holding on to the promises that what we do will be successful. But we're not giving up. God's promise to Abraham and Sarah. was a promise of being a great nation. It was a promise of having land. A promise land. That doesn't happen for a long time yet in this story. And it's a promise of being blessed to be a blessing. Often when we think about blessing, we think about something that happens to us, but You know, I'm kind of not reading that here. I'm reading that the blessing comes with blessing others. What do you think? Do you think the call to move, to do, to be is there for us as well? Do you think the call to be a blessing is for us as well? You know, as we walk through these promises, these covenants of God for us, for humanity, for God's people, I can't help but think that there's another part, and that is that we act, that we make space to be a blessing. That we don't get discouraged because things aren't moving the way we'd like them to move. Or that we can't do things the way we've always done them. I wonder what I'm being called to do, to be to act to go I know a little over a year ago God said go to Portsmouth Union and I said why (laughs) I said how and I have been blessed beyond measure by saying yes Am I stronger than I was a year ago? You betcha. Have there been things here that have stretched me? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Have I been blessed? Absolutely. Look around in this room. and notice everyone sitting here. Everyone who comes in that door receives a blessing. Everyone who comes to the pantry outside receives a blessing. Everyone who receives the lunches that we make on Wednesday receives a blessing. And you know what? We are blessed to be able to do that. So Abraham and Sarah had Isaac. And through Isaac and the genealogy that went on and on and on, We come to some of the other people that we know in the Bible. We come to King David. We come all the way down the line to Jesus. Because they did go. Everything we do, every step we take, every time we say yes, even when it's a struggle, changes the world for the better. The promise of covenant, the promise of God is this, that you and I live in that promise, That we might be a blessing to others. That we might bring a safe place and love to people who might not see it on their day to day life. You know, our sermon series is to be a people of the covenant, but I think I like the title, Be a People of the Promise, better. So let's be a people of promise, dear friends. Let's live out the blessing that we are called to be. You pray with me. God, we were not always sure where we're going. And sometimes when you show up and invite us, we're afraid because we don't know the rest of the story. God, I pray on this day that you would meet each of us and call, us out, call out our names with the invitation to follow you, that we might live into being people of promise, that we might be the church, living in the midst of your story, serving and being a blessing to all people. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.